Hey, welcome to Breitbart News Daily. We will present to you our opening segment on today's show. We had uh, only two Republican Jewish congressmen on. We had Dr. Sebastian Gorka. We had Trump's lawyer who we're going to play in a little bit here. We had Robbie Starbuck. Jam-packed show. We'll start with our opening segment. lot about i gotta i gotta get to boston here in a minute um but let me just make a quick comment on on this here because i've seen a lot of this lately i don't i don't i gotta get to the bottom of like really what this is and who's pushing this this whole idea of uh christian nationalism like this is a weird thing every once in a while people i obviously can't listen to the progressive channel at the same time, this show is on. But some people will tell me they'll they'll tune over to the progressive channel a little bit, and there's like these wild things that are going on over there. Like one is uh, like they really think that Trump is going to be in office forever. Like Trump will name himself dictator and will be president forever. And you're like, that's so crazy. First of all, he'll be like 82 or something when he's out of office. Uh, second of all, I, I don't know any conservative or Trump supporter who wants that, who's ever talked or dreamed about Trump being president for more than four more years, that's just totally made up. I I don't even, I don't, like, that's so delusional, I don't even know what to do with it. The other boogeyman that the left is talking about is Christian nationalism. Is there some movie out or something? I mean, there's some like documentary because Rob Reiner has been around lately. Maybe he has. Some, I don't really know. But they're concerned about Christian nationalism. So here's Rob Reiner. He says there are very conservative Christian evangelicals, pastors, very respected people in the Christian community that are frightened of this Christian nationalist movement. And now we have a Speaker of the House who's an avowed Christian nationalist. And Donald Trump is more than happy to be their mouthpiece. I don't know if there's been as off base or bizarre of a claim, a scare tactic than watch out for the Christian nationalist. I don't even know what a Christian nationalist is. I guess I'm one. I don't, I've, I don't know. Christian nationalism is a scare tactic that the secular left uses to try and scare you and prevent you from letting your biblical worldview inform anything in your actual life, I guess is what that is. Like, oh, oh no, no, don't actually you let your worldview inform your life. That would be the worst. Then you're a Christian nationalist. So I found this activist website because I just want to know what this even means. Uh, Faithful citizens for for truth. Uh, Christian nationalism is a movement that insists that that we insist that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation and seeks to erase the separation of church and state. So again, I don't want to do a whole thing on this, but we were founded as a Christian nation, and there is no such thing as a separation of church and state. To know, so I guess that makes me one of them. Uh, to know the full story behind that, just Google Danbury Baptists Thomas Jefferson, and you can read the actual letters that went back and forth between Thomas Jefferson and the Danbury Baptists where Thomas Jefferson used the line separate church and state, but you know that it was to protect churches from the state, 
not to protect the state from churches. So that it's this idea of Christian nationalism totally made up, but shows us where their ultimate ultimate attacks are aimed. And that is uh, God, <laughs> God, the Bible, Christians in general. So that's all I have to say about it. Don't be deterred by this term Christian nationalism. I, I, I don't know of a bigger boogeyman. Oh, no, Christian nationalism. Uh, ben Franklin, who people think is the least Christian of our founders, he wrote a letter the president of, of Yale at the time, Ezra Stiles. We've talked about Ezra Stiles before. He said, uh, you desire to know something of my religion. Well, it's the first time I've been questioned upon it. But I cannot take your curiosity amiss and shall endeavor in a few words to gratify it. Here is my creed. I believe in one God, creator of the universe, that he governs it by his providence, that he ought to be worshipped, that the most acceptable worship we rendered him is doing good to his children, that the soul of man is immortal, and that we will be treated with justice in another life respecting its conduct in this. Okay. I'll take it. That's not, not quite it, but like that's good enough. Way better than most people today. He went on to say he's not 100% sure about the divinity of Jesus. He says, but I like, to, I like the system of morals and his religion and as left them to us, the best the world has ever saw or is likely to see. And we should make his doctrines more respected and better observed. That's our secular founder. <laughs> That's Ben Franklin, the secular founder. So, uh, let me just say one last thing. This is the, AP, this is the PS of his letter. So he wrote this letter to Ezra Stiles. Like, here, here's what I think about Christianity. Or here's my, my faith. And then he, he wrote this. He says, uh, P.S. I confide that you will not expose me to criticism and censure by publishing any part of this communication to you. He's like, hey, keep this a secret. I have ever let others enjoy their religious sentiments without reflecting on them for those that appeared to me unsupportable and even absurd. He's like, I, I don't care what people think. All sects here, and we have a great variety have experienced my goodwill in assisting them with subscriptions for building their new places of worship. And as I've never opposed any of their doctrines, I hope to go out of the world in peace with them all. So it's great. Ben Franklin's like, it doesn't matter my view on Christianity. Just let every sect of Christianity be practiced. Leave me out of it because I'm just, I'm helping all churches build churches and do their thing. And uh, I don't want to upset anyone. That's great. And now we have the, the people hysterically, oh, separation of church and state. It's like, well, Ben Franklin was this, he was the secular founding father. <laughs> look, look how far we've, we've fallen. All right, enough of that. That's it. Just don't be deterred by, oh, he's a Christian nationalist. Um, you see the video of the fight that took place, the melee at the migrant homeless shelter in, uh, in New York City with New York PD, NYPD again. Which is great. These these, uh, these young young men, illegal immigrants to our country, Randall's Island. Well, it's right there by Manhattan. Uh, throwing bottles, throwing these big backpacks at NYPD officers. 
or tried to arrest someone when they're getting all this stuff thrown at them. It's amazing. So I think someone wrote me on Twitter. They said, you would think that if someone's coming to America and they're, they really want to be here, and they love this place, that they would be going out of their way. Like, in a sane world, you would have a migrant center, an illegal immigrant center, and they all the young men, vibrant, young, full of, full of uh, youthful energy, you think they would all get together and be like, hey, let's do a community service brigade. We are going to be a community service brigade. We're going to go up and down the streets, and we're going to clean the streets. And we're going to go up and down, and we're going to help people in any way that we possibly can to make it just prove, to prove how dedicated we are to our new country or something. And instead, they're beating up cops. Remember yesterday, we talked about New York City and they were going to bunch a house of uh, they were going to house a bunch of illegal immigrants in a luxury 36-story condo building. I guess the condo, I guess it was abandoned. I don't. It was like new, and they either didn't they almost finished it or I don't know. Like right at the end, they it's like there and empty. And they're going to put a bunch of you know hundreds of illegal immigrants in it. And local residents saw the city moving in beds. And people are like, what's going on? Like, oh, we're going to put a bunch of illegal immigrants here. Everyone freaked out. They had a big community meeting and all this stuff. And the mayor was there. And they're like, you're not, how dare you? You never. And they backed down off that. Uh, so that was in New York City. Here is Boston. Local families in the predominantly black Roxbury neighborhood of Boston are furious after the city shut down the local community center to instead use it to house more of President Joe Biden's illegal border crossers. Melnea Cash Recreational Community Center in Roxbury was converted into an emergency shelter for migrant families. Hundreds of beds now cover the indoor track and soccer fields where neighborhood children like 12-year-old Jeremiah Rodriguez thought he had baseball practice this weekend. We usually practice. And what happened when you went here today? Uh, they were closed. Closed to the public as dozens of families are now living in the shelter who were at one point sleeping in Logan Airport as the state shelter system is stretched to the limit. Overall, it has been uh, putting some pressure on the capacity of our system. It's okay to help, but I don't think that's the place to do it because kids and family go and enjoy. As a community, voicing our opinion and our, our concerns for the youth center and the elderly programs going down there, and it just seemed like our voices weren't heard. In an effort to mobilize the community, activist Clifton Braithwaite held a neighborhood. Isn't that amazing? It's pretty surreal. Like, like could you, like Trump's, Trump's message is America first. This is, this is unbelievable. You couldn't write this any better. Trump's message is America first. It's been from the very beginning, America first. And here he is running for re-election and the people in power are kicking children out of the rec center to house illegal immigrants. Like, like maybe if you're like, what, is it, what does that mean, America first? What is he talking about? Show me an example of where America's not first. Like, okay. Remember it all started with the school in New York City. They literally kicked the kids out of the school so that they could put the illegal immigrants in it. Remember that whole story? We talked about that a lot when that happened. And now it's happening more and more often. Not schools. I don't know of any. Maybe it is. But I, that hasn't made the news at least. But it's happening in rec centers all over the place. And you would think that every town they do this in, you'd think would vote 95% for Donald Trump. 
<laughs> like everyone, it's just like the end of it. Uh, like the election's over. Like that that New York City story was out of Harlem, where that with the luxury condos, a, a big thirty-six story building in Harlem. That was where all the people were were ticked off about. So you'd think like Harlem right now would be like, oh, like, oh, definitely voting for Donald Trump. This is a of this black neighborhood in Roxbury, Boston, outside Boston. Be like, like, oh, like everyone here is voting for Trump now. Oh, how could you vote for that monster? I don't know. Mm, they shut down the rec center because of illegal immigrants. Like that. And there are so, and I remember this, my, like my whole political life, there's all these stories that happen and, and people blame the president. Right? Remember this, like that joke, like, thanks, Obama. Like anything bad that happens is Barack Obama's fault. And I've never been on board with them uh, because the president only has so much power over things. Right? There's a lot of other forces at play with lots of different things. And we like to just tend, we, we, like, we tend to just blame the president or, or thank the president, even though the president maybe doesn't have that much say one way or the other over certain things. This is like a direct, this is that. This is like totally 100% Obama or excuse me, Trump or Biden. Who's doing this? So you'd think that's just the end. Election over. This is, uh, you another one here. This is Brockton High School. It's like 45 minutes south of Boston. All right, check this out. This is uh, local news here. Point here in Brockton. Now several school committee members are saying the violence here at the high school has gotten so bad, they're asking the state to step in. A call for military support to monitor students at Brockton High School. Four members of the Brockton School Committee authoring this letter asking the governor to deploy the National Guard to help restore order and prevent what they describe as a potential tragedy. Wait, what? The, the National Guard? They're calling in the National Guard to a high school? Do you remember, I don't know, when, when was it where we started having even police officers at high schools? Even that was crazy. What do you mean you need police officers at high schools? Police officers? Did you have police officers in your high school? Like, no way. So, like, so we're so far past police officers at a high school. We're now, we got to call in the National Guard. So that's a pretty good example of the state of America right now. At least a part of America. The schools are so dangerous. We have to call in the National Guard. Did anyone who joined the National Guard think that, that maybe they'd be deployed to the local high school? One teacher said the kids are, they're not afraid of anybody. They're not afraid of the parents. They're not afraid of the teachers. They're not even afraid of the police. So that's, that's one data point on the state of America. Hey, how's America doing? Well, uh, uh, in uh, one school in Massachusetts, they have to call in the National Guard. And we're shutting down rec centers for illegal immigrants. Oh, and by the way, they are uh, attacking police officers while inside of them. So that's how, that's how things are going right now. What's the, it's like a simple point, but I'll just make it real quick. Planes in trouble. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You know what I mean? I feel like we're not really in a healthy place. We could t- we talk about should you bring in the whole world? Okay. Uh, first, let's take care of ourselves. First, let's make sure that 
let's get to a point where our schools are functioning enough where you don't need to bring in the National Guard in order to keep, keep people from killing each other inside of them. Seems like a low bar, I think. Let me give you another little microcosm. Contra Costa. I think it's Contra Costa in uh, California. It's east of San Francisco, beautiful part of the state. They had to shut down their library. They shut down their library after repeated dangerous incidents. I don't know if this is true in other parts of the country as well, but when I was in California, libraries are homeless shelters. It's completely inundated with homeless. Like there, there's no way you would take your kids to the downtown San Diego libraries. Out of the question. Not, not even, even close to a thing you would ever do. Uh, they're so obviously homeless shelters. that I know the city of San Diego began, they like opened up a part of the library f- to offer homeless services. So the, the city said, hey, we need to meet the homeless where they are. And they meant literally, physically, where are the homeless? And Oh, they're all at the library. So we're going to open up our offices <laughs> in the library because that's where all the homeless people are. Because that's just what it is now. So, uh, And by the way, these, all the homeless people really put a damper on all the drag queen shows that were taking place. You know, how, are, how am I supposed to bring my children to the drag queen show if all the homeless are in the way? So you'd think even the drag queens would be against the situation. So uh, they just shut it down. <laughs> this library was so bad. They're like, ah, forget it. And people on the community on Facebook, uh, when they announced this closure, all the comments are like, whoa, wait, what happened? Oh, I can't. Hey, you know what? Thank you for protecting staff and patrons. This is the right call. You should, you should shut it down. Not a single comment was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, hold on. What's happening? No, no, like no outrage at all. <laughs> no, no self-reflection. No, wow, this really is out of control. This is, what a shame. No, oh, wow, hey, everyone, we voted for this. Nope, nothing, just, just, oh, wow. What a, thank you for keeping everyone safe. And the lengths that people will go to never get it, to never change their mind and just, they'll, they'll, let's just shut down the library instead of solving the problem or focusing first on the taxpayers of the city nope just shut it down unbelievable so you with me on the like the lack of America first here the lack of taxpayers first. The lack of citizens first. We're just a little, we're a little off here. And I don't know if we're in, a, we're in a place to be bringing in millions of more people across the country is all. Go to Rob, who's in Florida. Yeah. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Hey, Mike. Good morning. How are you today, sir? Real good. Good, good. Hey, I just wanted to... A thought came to mind, and I'm not as well-versed about the Brockton High School situation. Um, I was hearing what you were talking about it, and I wonder, has anybody dug into what 
the problem really is? Or are we talking about a bunch of gang kids fighting other gang kids? Are we talking about migrants that have been shoehorned in there that are not assimilating or having issues with the locals? What's what's the, uh, as Kamala likes to ask, what's the root cause of the problems? <laughs> yeah. Do you... Are you what do you what do you do? What's your hunch, or like where where are you going? Do you do you have a so? Well, yeah, I got a hunch, obviously, because whenever you hear of a shooter, if in the first five minutes they don't talk about it being a white man, then you know darn well it's not. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's the same kind of thing. They are the media is very good at throwing out a bunch of fire bombs and then never following up with what the rest of the story is you know you find out a year later that a shooter was a trans or you find out six months later that you know somebody was being pumped full of psych meds and stuff like that and and, and went off it we're yep. we're, in, yep. we're in a dangerous place and when you have to have schools and that with police and i went to school and we had a, a policeman there but nowadays calling national guard because it's so out of control it just seems like even the adults are acting like children mm. somebody ought to take control of that situation and mm. figure out what it is and fix it crazy rob appreciate the call thank you brother yeah i, th I think that's it I don't, I, and the reason that sorry i may have been confusing like i was talking about the border or talking about immigration and then i brought in this brockton high school thing um so maybe that could make it seem as if this brockton high school thing was an illegal immigrant problem that's not illegal immigrant the reason I brought it up is just like an example of uh, where we are, where we are, <laughs> like how's America doing? Maybe I should have started off with that. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe I should have started off with Brockton high school. Like, Hey everyone, we're, our schools are so bad. We, we talk a lot about schools um, on the show because it's like, what in the world? Remember the, was it Illinois? We talked about it. There's 54 schools where not a single kid can read or do math. Uh, no, sorry. There's 54 schools where not a single kid can do math. I think 26 schools where not a single kid can read, but then it was, and you're like, oh, well, maybe those are just the worst schools. Well, 10% of the schools in Illinois, no, no, 20% of the schools in Illinois have fewer than 10% of kids who can read or do math. 20% of all the schools have almost no one who can read or do math. So you're like, wow, that's really bad. But the, the violence now is so bad that they have to call in the National Guard. Like, that's comical. Like, uh, I don't know what else, what's... How bad could it be? So, so like that's just my one data point for this morning of how bad we're doing right now. And then we're going to bring in more. You with me? Oh, and by the way, those people are going to get in fights with the police officers. We're going to beat up the cops <laughs> while they're here. So, yeah, I think, I think this is all gang-related and, and stuff we've talked about before of um, just, just no rule. No rules at the school. And actually, this one does go back to Barack Obama. This is a uh, what a dear uh, Obama, dear colleague. Is the dear colleague letter? Yeah, 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 dear colleague letter. This was the, this was 2011. And wait, was the dear colleague letter about sexual assault? I remember thinking that was sexual assault. There was some. Yeah, sorry, that was something different. I think the Dear Colleague letter was something. What's the other one then? There was something Obama did specifically. I can find it during the break. Uh, Dear I think the Dear Colleague letter was like a Believe All Women thing. But there's another thing that Obama did uh, about disparate outcomes. So you, can, you can't punish black kids because, for, you can't suspend black kids anymore because 
a disproportionate number of black kids are suspended. So we can't, we can't punish that anymore. Uh, that was, that's directly a Barack Obama and department of education during under him, uh, mandate on schools, which led to this thing called restorative justice, where we're not going to get kids in trouble anymore. It's just total, total lawlessness, which is a nice microcosm in and of itself, right? Good little metaphor right there for our country. Just lawlessness. If you don't uphold the law, then it will lead to chaos, obviously. And it's so obviously true, which is why I increasingly am coming to the position that it is on purpose. Because how can you fail this badly for this long? And that's just what the left is naturally geared to. They're just naturally geared to destruction. Let's let the homeless take over the library to the point where it's so dangerous we have to just shut it down. Let's open the border so wide with no laws that our entire country is just totally overrun where we have to shut down the rec center. We have to shut down schools because we don't know where to put these people. Remember when, it was like a year ago, when there was uh, all the, there was like, like, I don't know, like 10,000 Haitians at the border? There's like a drone shot of, of all the Haitians at the border and it looked like Haiti. Like they built like shelter that looked like it was the slums of Haiti. You're like, whoa, what in the world? And are all those people back in Haiti now? Do we, do, we, do we shoo them back to Haiti? Of course not. Where'd they all go? Lawlessness leads to chaos and that is just what they love. Because chaos leads to destruction. Welcome back to Breitbart News Daily. Here is Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Abba. Alina, wonderful to talk to you again. Good morning. So, uh, listen, Alina, I'm um, reading this ruling from the judge. Your, <laughs> your Which client, one? I uh, am. Yeah, yeah, right. So, your client has to pay four hundred, about four hundred billion dollars, about twenty percent of his net worth. Million, million, let's not even million. Excuse million. me, excuse me. Million. Yeah, yeah, half a billion. Sorry, about <laughs> half a billion. Sorry. Um, okay, but here, Alina, uh, lawyer, uh, a private company uh, found that forty Wall Street was worth $220 million, but Donald Trump said it was worth $530 million. He doubled the value from the private professional appraisal, and that is fraudulent. Uh, is that your assessment as a that's, lawyer? That's, that's, what the, <laughs> that's what the judge said. That's fraudulent. He got a loan based off of a fraudulent assessment. Shouldn't yes, he be penalized? No. Sorry, no, no, that's not what happened. That's the, that's the cliff note version from somebody who is incredibly liberal. No, that's not what happened at all. Um, you have to remember something, and I'm going to speak generally because obviously I have ethical rules to not get into details. But um, when you go to a bank and you have a sophisticated lender like Deutsche Bank or you have an insurance carrier like Zurich, who still works with the Trump organization, by the way, <laughs> And they go and you say, hey, this is what I think my property is worth. Do you think Deutsche Bank takes your value, does no, no recognizance, no research, 
no due diligence at all and just hands you a loan? I mean, let's just go to common sense because the order that you're reading is not common sense. It's absolutely absurd. And for me to try and explain to you how Judge and Gordon came to his ridiculous number would mean I have to go speak about politics and the problem with the dual justice system and election interference right now. But the numbers are what they are. What bank would ever just write a check? So that's how they feel they had a right to come in under a consumer fraud statute that's never been used in this way and butt their nose into two private, sophisticated individuals in a contract that has never been breached. No loan default, no uh, loss of money, no victims, no damages. Did any so, bank have anything to do with this lawsuit at all? Did they ever come in? No. They, did we they say anything? Testify and they testified that they loved working with the Trump organization. The Trump organization was the whale of a client that they wanted. That was their words, not ours. That's what they testified to. And that they paid the loans ahead of time sometimes and invested more than had promised into renovating and maintaining these properties, these assets. The testimony of Deutsche Bank, the testimony of Zurich, it speaks for itself. You but mean a, ba- a bank never came a- in and said, wow, you're right, Letitia James. He told us it was worth 520 and you're telling me it's now only worth 220 We were defrauded. Why don't you think about that statement? Miss <laughs> James is supposed to value properties now. Okay, she's got a bunch of associates under her giving you what they think the value of Trump Tower is. And that's the basis of a lawsuit. Meanwhile, Deutsche Bank and Trump have no problems, no lawsuits, no one saying they lost money, no one saying they were hurt, everyone saying we did our due diligence, Trump saying we did our due diligence, everybody looks at the values, they put a number on it, they get a deal, they make a contract, and then they're good on the terms of that contract. Hmm. Where is the harm? Because Ms. D- James does- and Judge Gorin say Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million? Does the state have an obligation to make sure that people are not being intentionally deceitful and fraudulent? The state has an obligation to protect consumer fraud. Mm-hmm. This is this is not that. This okay, is all right, Alina Haba, Trump's lawyer. Seven yeah. Springs in Westchester County, New York, 220-acre estate. It was valued yeah. because Trump said that we could put uh, like uh, nine mansions on it even though they had no intention to put nine mansions, and even if they did put nine mansions, it wouldn't be worth the $291 million that they said it would. That is fraudulent behavior. Is that, is that from the judge? Or, yeah, of are course it's from the judge. Are having dinner tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, Eric Trump, was looking yeah. for a, a, uh, a federal tax deduction for giving up development rights, so there's no way they ever could have put that many mansions on that property. Yeah, case closed, lawyer. Yeah. Abstain. Uh-huh. I don't know what you yell in a court. Uh-huh. So, so when you buy a plot of land, sure. um, let's speak in the amorphous, general, normal human being, not Trump values world. You go buy a plot of land. That plot of land can be zoned to do different things. You could build a hotel on it. You could have private condominiums. You could build a house. You could divide the property and you could do all these things. And you hire people to give you the assessments and all the, the uh, evaluations of how you could slice, uh, you know, the bread. Okay. And then you got a judge who says, well, you said for tax purposes, it's worth 18. But if you sold it as a, as a resident, it's 1.5. Let's just, like crazy things. So I'm going to use the 18 million and then I'm going to sue you. I'm going to say you're a fraud 
Well, no, it's basic real estate education. It's basic. So, you know, you can holler, yell, say all the things that Judge and Gordon says. I'm getting a little PTSD, by the way. Or you can <laughs> or you can just use common sense. Nobody, nobody says my property as a real estate person is worth this and only this. If you can zone it other ways, if you can have a higher value building a hotel on it, and you happen to be a developer that could do that. Mm. So, again, they live in this world where um, they, frankly, have no real knowledge. If you look at Judge Ngoran, he made a terrible decision that was reversed, uh, hurting landlords and tenants in, in the state of New York, and he's known for that. He has said on the record that even if a jury says something and gets it wrong, he won't agree with it. And he can use his own powers as a judge to completely disregard what a jury says. This is who we are dealing with. So if you want me to make sense of a nonsensical order, I just would assure you that, number one, I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to do it thoughtfully, methodically, and it's going to be on the appeal. And, you know, you can read it and weep. But that's where we are at right now. Okay, let me give you one more. One more, and then we'll talk bigger ramifications. You can give me one more, but I'm going to give you the same ridiculous answer. Let's do it. Trump's triplex apartment at Trump Tower. The apartment mm-hmm. was valued at being 30,000 square feet when it was actually mm-hmm. 10,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And he valued it at $327 million. He said this was absurd given the fact that the most expensive apartment ever in New York City sold for $100 million. What happened okay. there? Okay, first of all, it's not that's not accurate, but the 30,000 square feet Trump Tower, every floor is 10,000 square feet. There was a broker involved there, and the broker gave us a square footage. Um, and, um, you know, I'll let the evidence speak for itself there, but it's not rocket science. A broker looks at a building, every floor is 10,000 floors. He has three floors. There was a mistake obviously made there, and, and that's been acknowledged, but that's not a half a billion dollar issue when your statements of financial condition are undervalued okay now you you said this law has never been used this way uh so yeah. give us the law is a consumer fraud statute that's meant to be used when you know phone companies charge an extra 0.2 cents on every uh phone bill by accident and the state of new york has to come in because individuals aren't going to sue verizon and they have to come in and make a cause of action to right the wrong. That is what 6312 is for. Mm. Give me me another one. What else else have they used 6312? What other type of thing? Even a hypothetical? Uh, Any type of thing. Uh, A gas company is overcharging. Uh, Something that consumers wouldn't have the bandwidth to fight mega companies. You know, Mm. Apple has a, a app that's spying on your phone and this the you know the citizens of new york are being hurt by it well the state attorney general is supposed to step in and protect the citizens of new york the state attorney general is not protecting anybody but herself and her candidacy that is all this is uh there is nobody that was harmed in the state of new york in fact the trump family and the trump organization made new york a tremendous amount of money changed the skyline and pays hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in just employee taxes alone and payroll taxes um, and has bettered this city, which is frankly falling apart because Ms. James is too focused on this and her politics than focusing on the things she should be. She's probably very happy today, don't you think? I mean, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> Where does all the money go? If, he, if Trump pays the 440 the attorney, million? The attorney general's office. That's pretty good. We'll see. What, yeah. 
So she gets like, she gets to do what she not, wants. Does it really go to yeah, her office? Remember, she gets she's to not do? getting the money. It's going to be held until the appeal, which we have a high likelihood of success on. Sure, but he's got to pay ten percent, right? So he's got to pay ten percent of it now. Ten percent on top. No, he pays the entire amount plus ten percent. <laughs> oh wait, no, hold on, hold on, no, 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 no. Lawyer, objection, lawyer. I don't know. Again, I don't know courtroom stuff. You're telling. I thought he had to pay like forty million until no. the appeal. You're telling me he has no. to pay four hundred million and then another forty million. It's the entire amount plus ten percent. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. What's he gonna do? Yeah, uh, he's gonna do what he has to do. <laughs> I mean, we're going to appeal it. So it speaks for whoa, itself. Whoa. So, yeah. right, th- so the money, so it goes to her office. So she gets to do with it what she wants. I mean, I, I assume so. It's definitely not going to pay back all the taxpayers that wasted three years on going after the Trump organization for doing nothing wrong. Whoa. Okay. I want to switch over to Eugene Carroll for a minute because there's one, I see one theme. I'm sure you see many other things, but the idea that someone can accuse you of rape, you say, no, that didn't happen. And then, oh, you've libeled me. You've defamed me by calling me a liar. As a, a dad of three boys, I, that is horrific. I, I, I don't know. First of all, am I mischaracterizing that? And what are the ramifications of that world now? Yeah, it's the same thing. We'll appeal it. Um, you know, they they came. It's a, it's a defamation case for somebody denying an accusation that, that was false and he uh, then got called a liar, a sitting president, to say, I didn't do it, and I don't know who this person is. Obviously, you know, there's a picture. He met her once in some line at a party. That doesn't mean he knows her, and most certainly doesn't mean he did the, the accusations he was accused of. Um, so it's, it's more of the same, quite honestly. It's, it's a corruption through and through, and listen, that's what lawyers are for. We'll handle it, and we'll be appealing it all. Um. What do you say of the argument that uh, Trump's demeanor in the courtroom is unbecoming of, uh, of, of a president and of a man? Yeah, that's probably the same people that are saying that they don't like me. So, mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's the same thing, right? People used to call it mean tweets, all of that. Mm. Um, I don't know what to say. Were they in court? Because if they weren't, I'm really not interested in what they have to say. It's outrageous to be accused of something you didn't do and then be judgments that are completely outlandish is despicable. And I urge any human being who's in that position to sit through a trial where a judge is clearly biased and not be upset about the situation. But um, do you want these to be televised? I would love for them to be televised. I think people should see what's going on. But I think each case is different. You know, I'm not going to make a general statement for each case. He's got a lot of different cases. Each case calls for different things. I wish that my trials had been televised. Um, yeah. my, personally, my my Carol case, the other case, I think the world would have been outraged. But yeah. unfortunately, I have to go into court now. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you, man. Um, I hope you do it again. Yeah. Keep up the great yeah. work. Sure. Thank, thank you. you. Alina Haba, it's Trump's lawyer right there. The the ramifications of these states, it was Mr. Mr. Wonderful, Kevin Leary, said he will no longer invest in loser New York after Trump verdict. Um, it's just the beginnings. I don't think, to, well, who knows what happens when Trump wins? Who knows how much people will lose their minds and go crazy. But, uh, this is definitely laying the precedent. There's no question laying the precedent for going after your political enemies. 
and it sure, surely is. You accuse them of, of, of rape, they deny it, and now you get them on defamation. And then you, you go back, you go through all their financial records to try and find some, uh, some overinflated something or whether here and there uh, and, and suck them dry. I mean, listen, that, that, this 400 billion, it's somewhere around, tw- it's a little more, it's like 25% of his net worth. There's a, there's a range of a net worth, right? So it's between 21 and 27%. We'll call it 25%. 25% of his net worth. Uh, it is believed that he has somewhere around $500 million cash right now. And that he's going to have to pay about four or $500 million in cash after this verdict. So they're just sucking him dry. That's the point is to make him go bankrupt. That's unbelievable. No, like, so imagine if that was in your life. Like they're like, here's your, oh, oh wouldn't you know it? You have the wrong politics. So uh, how much money you got? Hmm. And we're going to need all that right now. So there's the attempted getting rid of Donald Trump. That won't work. But then, of course, the chilling effect on anyone else who may want to go into politics. Look at this weapon that the state now has to wield against you. And everyone's breaking a law. Everyone, You're always breaking a law. You jaywalked today or whatever. You're, uh, the example I always use is you're uh, tailgating. Right? You're tailgating someone. You're too close to the person in front of you right now. You're supposed to be one car length for every 10 miles per hour. Uh, everyone, they can get you if you want. If they want, they can get you. And they did for Trump, no question. I'm American made. I got American parts. I, got I am off tomorrow. I'm giving a speech in Texas at a pro-life center. But the great, oh, my old friend, my dear friend, Brett Winterbull, we fill in tomorrow. <laughs>